Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. This is Rebel Guru Radio, Episode 2. This is Rebel Guru Radio with best-selling spiritual author Eric Pepkin. Follow us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash higher balance. Designed by the Rebel Guru himself, Eric Pepin, Magnetic Pill was made to enhance results with all higher balance training. Accelerate sensory development, achieve deeper meditations, better overall focus, and so much more. Go to magneticpill.com forward slash rebel for $10 off every month or get a three-month supply with our buy two, get one free special. Order now and we'll include a free guide listing three techniques you can start doing right away to hone your psychic mind. In this episode, we will continue our discussion on energy, more specifically on the similarities between energy and water, how to do energy movements, and how to remove negative energies from your home. Enjoy. You teach that energy seems to have a lot in common with water. Can you explain these similarities? Well, I use water as a means to train a person, a student, in order to get the fundamentals of working with energy. When you think about energy, you get the sense of air, the sense of either electricity, but there's a disconnect with our senses to really have a way to visualize, integrate with that. It doesn't really have a touch to it, a a feel, a smell, even a visual. It's almost kind of difficult. You can visualize it, but everybody has either a static neon look to it or a fuzz to it, or it's an invisible energy like a radio wave. So in order to be able to work with energy or anything on a metaphysical, spiritual, psychic level, call it whatever you want, you need something to have to kind of sink your teeth into per se. You have to have a working model so that your body, your mind, your spirit can all go, aha, we've got it. We understand what you want. We can work with this. So water is invisible. Water is fluidic. You can move your fingers through it. You can pick it up and hold it in your hands. You can throw it into the atmosphere and it it becomes, you know, atmospheric and invisible, but yet it's there, but it's not there. This is something that the mind can grasp because our whole evolutionary level we've integrated with water and it's you know a large part of our body even so when we think of energy the the closest thing in a physical form that we can manage on a level is to understand that water is transparent it's something we can touch it's something that we can have slip through our hands it's elusive but it's not when we think of energy in terms of water It's the bridge that I am looking for. So I'll often say to a student that I'm training that it's always the subtle 
realizations that make one truly powerful or gifted as they grow. It's the little things that, that build. It's the, the oak is from a small seed per se. So I'll say to them that if you try to imagine energy and you move your hands around, like you're gonna push the energy around a room, you really don't feel much in what I call your chest, okay? But the moment that you imagine that it's water and you're pushing the water, immediately there's this uh, feeling in your body as if your chest center, which is the true intelligence to you spiritually, it's a, another brain in a sense, it's your spiritual brain, okay? It's not in the same location, but that's another topic. It immediately understands what you're trying to do, or it immediately can give you a workable relationship. So if you move your hands from left to right, thinking about energy, it's almost like there's nothing there. As soon as you think about it as moving it as water from left to right, pushing down deep into it, moving your hand back up and having it lift almost as if it was like vacuuming to your hands a little bit before it drops from your hands, okay? That this in turn is still energy, but it's like your body's energy, its own field of power, its own energy source actually is more willing to work with you or to reach out or move in a way. Yoga for your spiritual body, you've got to move it around, okay? it's reactive, it understands better. So when I use water as a terminology, I literally quite mean if you visualize water, it's going to ultimately excel your practices by tenfold. Whether you're doing healing, whether you're working with energy in other ways, whether you're moving energy through your own body and you wanna literally feel it physically, okay? You have to have that middle ground so that your body, your brain, your mind, everything kinda of has a way to understand that. A lot of my personal training came from my youth. I love the water. From day one, I've always loved the water. I've always recognized the relationship of energy versus water. I swam in it, I moved in it, you know, I'm going through the whole Aquaman, you know, the whole uh, another submarino, whatever his name was from, from a kid. But the idea of water, I remember looking as a child at the water as I was tanning and seeing the shimmer of the movement on it and how it had dips and folds. And without realizing it at that moment, I understood also that there was a numerical pattern happening. That when somebody disturbed the water and it was left to settle, it still had bows and lifts that became like a, a Mandela pattern in that I would see the reflection of light moving on it like it was a living thing. So all of these things spoke to me they were the probably some of the best training in my early youth that I could relate to or instinctively wake the consciousness within, the past life self-awareness per se that awoken in me very early. These were all things that contributed to that. So when I would move water, it wasn't ever about just splashing water, much like other white cells, immediately you're thinking energy, you're thinking this, well, power, call it whatever you want. But the point is that training was for you to the moment you are right now listening to this. That if you go back to that and you redo that as energy and you lift it, it's like kind of like Tai Chi or martial arts. Think of it as you're moving water and your chest will feel, it's like a mild pressure, like something's moving in there, okay? It's very subtle. And then with your hands, you'll feel the same thing. It's like a duality between the two. And this is what's exercising the inner core of your energy of your body which 90% of people never even do, and they should. And the point is, is really, how does one do that?
you know, so this is how that begins. Can you give some examples of energy movements or something people can do to kind of get that relationship? Well, I would start off with the very practicals of just thinking about water, sitting in a chair or in a meditation position, clear your mind, have your hands palm to palm, which again is one of those things that I teach about feeling the energy difference, which we should touch upon, okay? But when you're ready, you should just simply take your hands out at the same time. This is where it would be nice if we had video, but you know, if you have your palms facing outward, your hands extended, you want to rotate your hands back and forth. But what you want to do after you do that once or twice is to level your fingers down like they're flat and imagine you're patting water, okay? Just pat the water and in your mind, after a few moments, you will feel the lift as if you're picking that water up like it's a splash going up or down. And you just simply do that, okay? What you're trying to do is to be aware of your chest center at the same time. And again, you're gonna feel that very subtle heaviness almost. The more that you become aware of it, the more you're able to do things because you're building a relationship with something that you didn't even know really existed before or how do you, if you knew about it, how do you make it stronger? You have to exercise it. So hence the water movements of lifting your hands up and down and visualizing you'll feel that, that water movement, but there's no water. It's energy. This is you working with that energy field in your mind, in your body, in your inner core. Then of course, what you wanna do is you wanna almost move your hands in a sweeping motion side by side from left to right together, okay? And again, feel the water, but what you're doing is one hand is deeper in the water, the other one's a little bit more close to the surface. So there's this duality of pressure, okay? So what I'm trying to suggest is it makes it a little bit more technical training. So you're really training your inner core if you do this to be more specific. It's like training yourself to be more surgical without realizing that's what you're doing. So by moving the water, you wanna feel less at the top as you're moving it than the lower, but you should feel that inner pressure, but also you can feel the pressure in your palms as you're moving the water and then flip them and reverse it in the other way, okay? Or you can put high to low. So you wanna move your hands left to right. It's a little bit difficult to probably understand via uh, this, but anything that is a water movement with your hands, the reason why we start off with the hands is because the hands reach out from our body to explore things, to acquire things, to touch things, to integrate with things, okay? It's very rare that we integrate something with the whole body. Ironically, water we emerge into the whole body, okay, or the whole body into. So again, it's one of these ideal things that works with all of your energy fields. But once you've done this, you wanna kind of move on to a phase two. And I always say, don't rush people. Don't want it all one day because the, the faster you build it, the weaker the structure. Things need time to cure, to get stronger, to get better. You need to enrich in your mind with the knowledge, okay, and put it to practice. So the next thing providing that people have put enough time are what I call pull-ups or energy lifts movements, as most of you guys know from the things I teach. And what you want to do is think just below your belly button Without getting into chakras and their names and everything, this is not necessary. What is necessary is that you have a simple, clear-cut approach that gives the absolute same results and, in fact, probably does greater results because your mind isn't doubting or questioning itself so much whether you're doing it correct or not correct per culture, okay? So by taking your fingers almost like you're scooping 
butter from a, a bucket or something, okay? You wanna just put it maybe a, just barely, not quite touching your skin below your belly button, okay? But you want this scoop motion and you wanna pull as if your fingers were imaginarily reaching deeper into your body, like between your spine per se or the core of your body to the outer level of your skin of your, your belly in this case. So you would take that and you just wanna keep absolute focus. Your mind's gonna wander, hence this is practice. So what you wanna do, and really combine your breathing either in or out, okay? So in this case, I'm gonna breathe in as I'm pulling it up. But what you're gonna do is you're gonna lift with the scoop all the way up, 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 past your, your heart, past your chin, past your nose, your forehead, right to the top of your head, and almost let your, your fingers kind of expand out like you let something move through your whole body and, and shoot through you. You're pulling up this energy. And then what you're gonna do is, you're gonna do just the opposite with the scooping, but instead of a scoop, it's a little bit more flatter. And you're gonna imagine it in you and going down. Now it's hard to turn your hand, you like your fingers that way. So you can just have it sideways like you're saluting and just bring it down. It's like a lever. You can do it also for the same thing going up. Up and down, like saluting, just flip your hand up or reverse, okay? Interestingly, the palm of your hand often indicates whether it's up or down. And this is again, utilizing what we have in, rooted into our thinking by based on our day-to-day -day things. When we reach for something, we reach with our, our palm out. It's very rare that we use the back of the hand for anything. So anything that's moving up or down usually is what your palm facing it, okay? We feel this intuitively. So we wanna work with that as much as we can. So here we would go, you'd put your finger to your lower, like you're, you're scooping to start off later. You can use a flat hand if you want and breathing in. And I'm lifting, I'm lifting my hand as I breathe and they should finish about the same time. Where the million dollar sweet spot is, it's not where your fingers are like you would think. It's not a level thing that, because you're gonna feel this. You feel a very mild tingling. It's like a, like a, a little micro chill that's kind of following or trailing by several inches below inside of you from where your hands are moving upward. So it's like this trailing effect that's tenths of a second behind it going upward. It's never really at the exact same moment where your hands are identically across. It's usually a trailing effect. And this is what confuses a lot of people and discourages a lot of people because they're always told, we'll move your energy this way or that way and et cetera, so on and so forth. And when they don't feel it exactly the way they envisioned, they think, okay, well, I'm discouraged or I'm not interested because I'm not feeling or experiencing anything. And this is where I get so upset at other schools of thinking. I think they discourage more people spiritually than they actually succeed with training them correctly. We'd have a lot more badass white cells out there, spiritual people, if they learned correct. So again, taking your hands, if we were doing another pull-up, you're gonna put your hands down, your hand's gonna go up as you're breathing. Here I go in and I'm gonna be bringing my hand from the bottom right up to the top of my head, pulling it up and then visualizing inside and waiting to feel the tingle right behind it. I don't care where my hand is. I just wanna feel that tingle and know that it's moving up with my hand. So going one, two, three, go. And then bring it down. And then bring it up. And bring it down. Now, classically, I like to work with threes. And that's, again, a whole nother subject in itself. But you could say, you know, well, I'm feeling something, but I'm not sure if I'm isolating it to where my hand is that it's trailing behind. 
It doesn't matter. It will come with time. What does matter, did you feel an escalation anywheres within you that gave an upward motion as you were moving up for like what can only be described as like a tingling sensation, okay? And then going down, did you feel a decompression? Did you feel a tingling sensation moving down, okay? This is what you're after because in a sense, I hate to say that your energy is dead, you're really almost like massage pushing blood into an area that's so hard that it hasn't gotten any blood to move into it. So by bringing life into something, you're giving life to it, okay? So if you think about that spiritually, you may feel like you're a spiritual person, but there's this sense of despair, or this lack of spiritual connectedness that you once had. You probably were more active doing things that were spiritual. So the fastest way to deal with that and to bring life back into you spiritually is to do all these water movements and internalize it. So when your hands are out moving water, forget about moving it out. Think about it being moved inside of you, almost like it's two mirrors and the real action is happening inside of you while your hands are moving externally outside. So it's kind of weird and I go into it a lot more, but anything that moves energy in your physical body is moving energy in your organic self and you are feeding yourself for the first time, that's the spiritual body. You're moving and exercising your spiritual body for the first time possibly that you've actually acknowledged it. So the more that you play with it, literally within a matter of hours to days, you will find how much more robust it becomes and how much better your life actually gets. It's like everything that's problems starts to solve itself the more you exercise this energy. And of course, this is something that I, I covered uh, last night in a, a lecture that I did. But at the end of the day, water movements are brilliant. Breathing and moving your energy without overcomplicating it, brilliant steps to developing yourself. And it moves into other areas, other psychic abilities, other senses, because once it's freed up, it starts to awaken things. So when I did the energy movements right now, I could feel a tingle by the belly button and then it kind of faded out in the chest center area. And then it came back as I was moving up through my head what does that mean? My opinion of that would be that you're weaker in your chest center or you're feeling more emotionally vulnerable. It could be personal things going on in your life, monetarily, joy, happiness, relationship. But usually, you know, there's seven chakras. Of course, there's more than that. But we focus on three and, you know, I share why to accelerate very rapidly your abilities and your awareness. But the lower chakra usually has to do with kind of just being grounded. And it's a very important one as much as people that are spiritual want to ignore that. The heart is not necessarily hearts of love, but it's your happiness. It's also emotionalness. It's whether you're feeling balanced in your life, whether, you know, work, life, everything's kind of working out. A harmony, I call it. And then, of course, your mind chakra is going to be things that are more psychic, sensory. It's also going to be focused on matters, being able to stay focused, whether it's on work, homework, retaining information, instead of having to, to grasp with yourself, trying to remember stuff. So all of these things are very real effects on their organic body as much as they are an effect on the spiritual body, this other vessel that I speak of, because the soul is within that. Your soul isn't the energy body. Your soul is within that body. It's simply a vessel that's designed to move through dimensional space where the organic body can't go. But you need to have an organic body in this dimension to move your inner core, your real soul. So having said that, I would say that your lower energy right now is in your heart because you're feeling less. So you're sheltering it more, you're withdrawing it. There's something there. 
And in so doing, this is why you're probably stronger in the other two, okay? And you're feeling it more. What you want is to make sure you can feel it in all three. So what I would do is I would concentrate that awareness and almost like you're whittling away at a ball or an area, you want to start trying to feel it more and more and more until you get it to break through and get it to go through both directions. But don't overdo it. Don't try to do it all in one seating for 30 minutes straight hammering it. That's not good either. You'll build a resistance. So do you find that people have trouble feeling that tingle when they first start trying to work with energy movements? Well, you know, the thing is, is you, that you have to wrap your mind around it. And if you have trouble trying to understand what I'm saying, then you don't really know what you're looking for. And this is what I think 90% of all teaching is lacking, is that, that something is said or not said that makes them miss the fact that they're not able to do it. So in my opinion, if you can't do it or you don't feel it, it's because you're not connecting something that was said or maybe it's failure on my part because I haven't put enough time around it. This is why I say you got to listen to the modules or, or get right. the book for a few dollars, whatever, yeah. but because you, you need to really look at it. It's real. Everybody can feel it. It's not exclusive to anybody. Okay. So again, if you're having trouble feeling it, go back to what I said, listen to exactly this whole thing, put it on pause, think about it, work it a little bit inch by inch for the information put into practice. For sure, for sure, for sure, you will feel it. The only way you're not gonna feel it is if you are convincing yourself that you shouldn't feel it, that you're not able to feel it, or it's, you, know, you just can't believe that you could, okay? Try to remove any negative or positive out of your mind. And as Yoda would say per se, just do, do or do not do, you know? It's that simple, okay? But I've taught, literally 89 year old woman to do this. Yes. And across the board, you do have free lessons on YouTube for people who want to learn more on energy movements. Absolutely. Just for the record, the stuff on YouTube's older and this is a different day and age. I don't have to be so reserved. I'm more likely to really speak my mind more so now than I would have in the past in those. Just saying. And do you find that your hands need to be in a specific position when you're working with the energy? Look, your hands are very important. As I was saying earlier, we use them to tactically feel any structure, which is the most relatable to us. It's also the most threatening. Oh, this is hard. If it hit me, it would hurt. This is soft. This is okay. If it hit me, it's a pillow. Okay. So in essence, our hands expand where there's space between fingers. They contract. So all of this seems like, okay, Eric, we know this. Sure you do. But how much have you really thought about this? Okay. In a sense that's useful to you spiritually or metaphysically. Okay. What you want to do is you want to close the gap in your fingers. You want to have a little bit of sense of firmness, like the muscles are, are clenching the fingers a little bit in whatever position you choose to have them in. Having them open-handed is like water being able to escape from it, okay? Or sweeping your hand through sand. So this is what you're telling your subconscious, okay? By bringing them together and thinking of materials that are more gathering that you can direct. Perhaps more water can be moved better with your hands put together and cupped than if you spread your fingers wide. So energy in our minds is this elusive thing. And we don't think of it as being like uh, something we clump together like clay. We think that we have to kind of harness it, collect it, pull it, shape it by the same way we would do sand or water or any of these things. Okay. So 
when you think about your hand, think about structuring it as if you were gathering or scooping things that under normal circumstances would be dissipating. And do you find that actually going in a pool to physically push water is going to be useful? Absolutely, 100%. Uh, as you know, this is something I, I teach people, uh, have done, have brought them into pools. You're gonna have huge results from working in a pool because I think you're in the pool, but you don't really think about doing your practices in the pool. So the moment you become mindful of what you're doing in a spiritual sense, in the relationship to water and energy, again, your mind is building up an understanding of what you're asking it. Okay, so when you're over there and you're tapping that water and you're getting that bounce off of it, when you're moving the water left to right, when you're pushing the water with your chest and you may be near a wall and you get the push back, you feel it, okay? And you think of it as energy, you visualize it as energy. It's not that hard then for your body and energy to step out of the water to do the same thing. You don't think about you're in water, that's the trick. The moment you try to say, well, I have to be in water to do this, then you're gonna lose that movement. If you can go out and imitate the idea as if you're still doing it in water, but it's energy because you thought of the water as being energy, the mind accepts that and it allows the energy to move forward from you. I always say like in Donnie Darko in the movie where he extended his chest out and around to the kitchen, okay? This, this is the truth, there's a reality to this, okay? There was no question in his mind, probably also because he was a little messed up, that helps in some cases, but not really, is that it moved. The moment that there's a question or a realization of what you're doing and it being unusual, the retraction comes and snaps back in. This is why people, when they do an astral projection, lay in bed and their mind kind of drifts and their energy's the right place, perfect storm, all of a sudden it lifts and what they can only feel is this sensation of falling for a second. So they drop and they clench themselves and they're like, oh my God, I thought I was falling for a second. Your energy lifted and your body recognized it as if it was something happening to it. So it extended out. So again, working with water is getting you to control that extension out by will. And at some point, do you recommend stepping away from the visual, like the, using the imagination to uh, think of water, do you think? Well, it happens on its own. You know, when I go into a home and I have to feel that home out for unusual energies or pockets of weirdness, I call it, I don't think about water, but I think of it in a means that I understand when I am in a place that I have to be part of that environment. So in other words, if you were to put things in your ear so you couldn't hear, and you were to put a pincher on your nose so you couldn't smell, and you weren't gonna taste the water for say, and you were to stand in the middle of a silent pool that was very, very large, would you or would you not be able to feel someone where if you couldn't hear them or anything, who immerse themselves in the water with some movements? Would you not be able to get a direction from your body as to where they might be? Would you not be able to get a sense of them approaching or how close they were by that movement of that body of water? So when I move into an environment, I think of the environment, I guess you could think like jello or like the whole house is, or that it's all water, but it's not water. It's the static energy. And the moment my consciousness has a way to interpret a relationship, okay, that's acceptable to it, that it's familiar, that I trained it to be familiar with, okay, it then is able to feel movement and I'm able to identify those movements if they're of interest. I'm also able to sense 
anything because any form of energy, whether it be trouble spots or not, there's activity, there's an emotion that comes from it that's very specific to it. It's to say that if a, if a dog jumped in the water, you probably would know the difference between a human being in the water to some degree, or if you got acute with it enough, okay? So you are able then to define, but the water is always there. You just, I'm just not thinking of it anymore as water. In the beginning, maybe, I'd have to remember back 40 years now, whatever it is, I probably thought of the house in terms of water, but again, it's a leap because now you're gonna imagine water as a whole house. It's, some people don't have that kind of imagination or the ability to get their mind to, to see it as that. Again, you have to have models for the mind to work with and then bridge the two realities to a happy medium in the middle of the third. So you mentioned breathing when you work with energy with your hands. What is the significance of breathing and breath? Well, you're going to find breathing going way back to Vedic teachings from thousands and thousands of years ago to Hinduism, Buddhism, you call it whatever you want. Breathing right down to panicking. The reason why they hand you a paper bag to breathe into or we'll see it on a TV show. I've yet to have somebody uh, see somebody hand somebody a paper bag when they're panicking, but it kind of controls your breathing. You can only blow the bag up so big and so small, so it makes you slow down. You'll find that if you are breathing fast, your brain is going blah, 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 blah. You're thinking fast, or if you get upset, you're gonna find if you can be mindful enough that your breathing is <sighs> very quickly, okay? When you are calmer, you will find that the breathing slows down and it becomes the slow draw in and a slow release out and that you're just kind of drifting in a way, you're relaxed. So we know that the brain, its thoughts are directly correlated to our breathing pattern, that they seem to be very integrated. So in a sense, like everything else, hacking reality, hacking something to get it to do something else, is what we're doing with spirituality and breathing. We know that we have to calm our minds in order to get results or interaction with energy or telepathy or anything we're trying to do because the mind can be a big distraction. So the moment that we think about our breathing and we simplify our mind by having one thought, breathing in, breathing out, and then we're slowly slowing it to where it becomes this rhythmic slow down pattern the mind begins to follow, it begins to be calm, it gets, begins to get clear, okay? So breathing is the only way you can necessarily grab the mind easily and as a readable, accessible tool to slow your mind down so that the next phase is that you can give 100% or a greater percentage of your concentrated thought to whatever you're trying to do, like pull your energy up or down. So when we combine energy breathing with moving energy up and down, it becomes a two-fold action. It's like a kung fu move with two strikes versus one, which is ideal. You wanna always go up to actually a three strike, if you will, but that's one way of looking at it. So by breathing up your energy or breathing it out, whatever you prefer, moving up and down, this is, is helping you slow and concentrate your mind and it's focusing on the action you're doing because there's this relationship. You also tell people to kind of, it's not like a normal in-breath. It's kind of like harder, you blow out like. Well, this is more in-depth training. I'm not going to have grandma in her kitchen, you know, doing all this dragon breathing, you know. So we don't want to get too extreme. But like anything else, the more skilled you become at it, you can increase levels of ability. So there are different levels of breathing that are still breathing, but what's interesting is, is that you go into these deeper resources of your mind or recesses, okay? So by exemplifying, or I should say by exaggerating a bit your vocalness to your breath, 
almost helps induce this level of action within you with energy. And I'll give another perfect example. When you see, per se, uh, martial arts, whether it's, you know, and we're talking the real deal, not just what's on TV, okay? You will see an action of them making like a, you know, or a, okay? The sound is done on purpose. It's definitely in relationship to breathing still. This is what most people think. Of course, it's terrifying to do this to another person, like a roar of an animal. It's made to induce fear. But they don't necessarily do this when they're trying to invoke fear. They're at times trying to ingest a power or build a power inside of them, just like lifting it up. They're actually building that energy become very concentrated. This is chi. And then what they're doing is they're directing that chi once it's built up very quickly, very intensely through their breath, through their vocalness, through their psyching their mind to be so focused. When you do this, it's very hard to have any other thought. You only have one thought and that's what your mind is focused on. That's all that exists is what action you're going to do. And it's not even the action. It's, gonna, it's just the simple result of what's going to happen. So in sense, they're charging up that chi to condense. So when we do what we call like dragon breathing or there's an intensity. I mean, you can see the hair moving up on my arm. This is an electrical response in my body that it, it begins to understand that I'm charging it. I'm building it up. So, and this is literal, folks. I'm, I'm showing the hair on my arm, you know, that happened as it did. So this is having a relationship. So this is why there are different levels to your breathing or different methods, which I teach on. So in the foundation meditation, you teach to focus on bringing in prana, bringing energy, which we've talked about in previous episodes. Yeah. Why work on moving energy? What's the significance between energy movements and meditation? Well, that's like saying just doing leg workouts and never bother with any other body parts and muscles. You need to balance yourself as much as realistically possible. So breathing in prana is wonderful. So you got this great amount of energy. What, what now you've got to really learn how do you want to utilize this energy in what way? How are you going to make it into a functional thing? How is it going to serve its purpose? Were you just hoarding it? I mean, what do you, you know, what do you, jiffy pop, you're just gonna, okay? So the point is, is that you need a fuel, which is to draw in the prana, which in the end is used as a fuel or an energy like gasoline to a car in order to get it to have combustion to move from A to Z, okay? As I've said before, you know, if you go to fossil fuels, it's made into many, many, many forms of energy other than what it originally started out as. Most people just think of gasoline. So having said that, when you breathe in prana, when you have other skills, that energy needs to almost be shaped. It almost needs your intelligence to share with it, to become one idea, one movement, one action of energial thought. And so therefore, whenever you do something psychically or spiritually, you are exuding energy. It's the same thing, like same thing with the body. If you're going to go up and down the stairs, you are burning calories. If you do anything physically, you're burning calories. Even when you're thinking, you're burning calories, okay? You're burning oxygen. You're burning various chemicals to create certain reactions in your body. There's all these different resources that are being used up that need to be replenished. This is true for the whole universe, okay? And as long as we are in an organic body and we're trying to manipulate energy and we're trying to bend reality to a certain degree, then we will need to control or to work with energy that has the capability of affecting those physics or that reality or those dimensions. So in order to do that, you must harness it 
and then you must shape, mold it, make it into the tool or the action that you need it to do so it reacts with something. So if you have negative energy in your house or in your home, what can you do about that? Well, I talk about this in Ties at Bind. We, we train people on this. And, you know, look, the first thing to understanding this is, is it to me as a, as a teacher, the first thing I want is my student to have the best level of knowledge, hands down. And the answer to that is not immediately telling you what you should do. The first thing is, is that the person needs to recognize that there is a problem with energy and what the hell is that? And how do you know the difference? And, you know, uh, how much can I sense that? You know, because there are people, believe it out there, that don't feel any of that. They're like rocks and they think it's nonsense. So I always say to students, you've got to start off with things that you can identify and relate to immediately and go, you know something, that's a very good point. So the first thing I always say is, have you ever worn somebody else's clothes temporarily? The moment you put it on, you feel as if you're that person. You do not feel like yourself. You don't feel like your mother, your brother. You feel like whoever that person is. It's as if it has its own energy, which I teach, which I teach people to see, et cetera, so on and so forth with their eyes, okay? Having said that, that shirt, that clothing is permeated not only with pheromones from their body or if it's laundered, fine, okay? It's not just the design of the clothing that it is something that you would not wear, but they wear. There is literally a permeation of energy. If you can see the aura, the aura is moving through your clothing. So it's consistently saturating jewelry, clothing, anything that's on you within a proximity close to your body, your core. So it's writing like a computer program, a kind of data that's like pheromones, if you will. Okay, like a scent, but it's frequency rather than something that would be pheromones. So in essence, you put it on your body immediately, not because it wants to, but it's so close to you, it feels it, it becomes it. So like a computer program for a moment, it starts to go holographic in you as if it was an overlaid person of another person overlaying with your personality. I don't believe in possession and I give all my reasons why and stuff, but the closest thing to feeling like you're somebody else is the moment you put on their program on you, it's your energy in your body that actually makes it come to life. It's to say a USB drive is useless until you slot it into a USB drive and the electricity brings the data to life. So it needs a strong enough electrical energy minus its weak energy. When it goes onto your body, your energy powers it. And of course it starts to convey the program that it's used to, it runs its pattern. So you've integrated this now into your field of consciousness or your body, and then very quickly your body will recognize it and it starts to break it down and reassemble it. So this is the first thing is if you can be aware of that and you go, oh my God, I've experienced that, that is no different than taking it to the next step. There's no difference between micro versus macro. It's just you think it is. When you walk into a home, you feel immediately whether it feels comfortable or whether it feels hostile, uncomfortable, undesirable, creates you anxiety or angst, or it makes you feel relaxed. And in some cases, even makes you feel sleepy and tired, which is a whole nother discussion, okay? you know now whether or not you want to be mindful and pay attention to what you're feeling because it's that's a whole sense of survival that goes back through evolution this is a psychic sense okay and it's one we shouldn't be dismissing so in essence a house can have a feeling an intelligence 
that's collectively supported, much like a piece of clothing, but the entire house by the people who live there keep imbuing it with their consciousness, their intelligence, saturate like rain on a couch outdoors. It's going to saturate it. You sit in it, you're going to feel that dampness. In this case, you're going to feel that energy if you are mindful. If you're not mindful, you simply begin to automate unconsciously that attitude or that perspective or that kind of thinking or that feeling of, oh, I'm always angry. I don't know why. And you don't realize everybody else around you is angry. You've become a product of that programming. So mindfulness would tell you this is what you're feeling. If you're mindful, your body's telling you you need to step away from this or you need to get away from it somehow or, or deal with the situation by focusing on various chakras. We'll, we'll lock it out. So once you understand what we mean when we say a kind of energy in a house or negative energy or positive energy, the most fundamental root of that is simply that. Does it feel good as an energy to you when you feel it and sense it? Does it make you feel joy? Does it make you feel happiness? Does it alleviate you? Or do you feel despair or, or uncomfort or you don't like what you're feeling, okay? Hence negative, positive. Once you understand that and you realize, okay, I've just gotten an apartment, I've moved in here, I thought it was going to be great, everything looked great, I loved the sun in here, I loved everything, the walls were freshly painted, everything, but now that I'm here, I feel really shitty energy in here and it's concerning me and I feel anxiety. This is being mindful. You're paying attention to what you're feeling, okay, you're, what your sensory is telling you. The question is, is what can you do? You can't exactly move the apartment building or move the house. You may be able to sell or you may be able to move, but that could take days, weeks, months, even years. So the idea is, can we find the tools to change the environment? And if we can't change it, is there a way to contain the problem or keep it at bay? And the answer is yes. So what you have to keep in mind is, is as you look at nature, you look at fundamental truths of, of what you can feel. I often say to people, the, the purest clearing energy that will clear good energy as well as bad energy, just neutralizes, it's very powerful, is the ocean. When you go to the ocean and you lay near the ocean, you will find near the end of the day, you are really tired. For a day that you spent doing nothing but sitting around eating Doritos, laying on a blanket, doing nothing, well, maybe that's what I do at the beach. But the point is, there's a certain emptiness you feel. It's not bad and it's not necessarily like, oh, I feel energized, I feel great. But you do feel relaxed, like it's cleared you. Ocean is saline, your body is saline, okay? But it's also electrical, it's also water, okay? So salt. Salting is something that you've probably heard if you're in the new age circle, spiritual circles forever, okay? The first thing I always say is salt the carpeting on the floor. Take and sprinkle salt everywhere. You know, don't be too cheap with it if it's a big problem. You can vacuum it up, but you don't want to use a couple pounds on a place. You know, like one container of salt, like the kind that you buy from the grocery store for a buck or whatever. And sprinkling that throughout a decent sized apartment on the floors, on everything. And you wait maybe 30 minutes or so, and then you take a vacuum and you vacuum it up. Now, this probably sounds like absolute lunacy to someone who's not of our thinking, okay? I totally get it, I love science, I can, I can hold my ground with anybody in that arena. But the truth is, when you go to feel, it's as if the ocean has moved across there and washed and cleansed and drawn it back out to see what, what, what should not be there, okay? If that energy's still there, I mean, I, I've given stories about this in training because I go much more extensive with it, but I, I would know couples who would come to me and they were literally on the verge of divorce. And they were like, we don't know what to do. 
And I would give them this information and I didn't tell them at first to do this. They kind of did it on their own. And I was kind of like, wow, that's a quite a thing to do. They ended up washing their walls with a big, like, I guess what would be a Home Depot bucket with salt water, okay? And wring it out and they washed all their floors, everything. And they did wonderful in their relationship. They says it was like something lifted off of their chest. The same is true for people who feel like they got negative entities or spirits. Negativity begets negativity. It either in encourages it to develop in a place or it thrives off of it and it's attracted to it. Remove the energy or re kind of construct it, okay? Thus, the whole mechanism, the architecture collapses of what the problem was supported by. And if it begins to build again, then you have a go-to system to keep hitting, eventually you will train it to stay down if it's negative, but you have to be more persistent than it. If you get lazy, it's your own fault. A minute ago, you had mentioned people are like rocks and you've used the word crystallization in the past. Can you explain that a little bit more in depth? You know, perceived as being spiritual, spiritual takes on a lot of different viewpoints. So let's back up before we go into this because I, I have to approach this, okay? Everybody in their mind has an idyllic view of what a spiritual person is supposed to be. And if you don't fit that idyllic view, you then are denounced as being a true spiritual person or somebody that is worthy of calling themselves spiritual or enlightened, okay? And my position on that is if you are never challenged in your thinking because it doesn't fit ideally what you expect it to be, then you never grow as a person. You only fit the mold of what you are comfortable with rather than challenging yourself to rethink things until you, you keep having these greater and bigger epiphanies. My job is to challenge the thinking. Number two, there are many spiritual masters who've been very vocal, have sounded very cross, very, you know, complaining, very different stuff. So I may have some people say, well, you're not very calm in the sense of, of what you should be as an enlightened teacher. And I'm like, really? Because there's been plenty of incredibly great teachers who are anything but calm, okay? You don't wander the universe of creation without seeing the immensity power of that rawness. And of course I can find inner calm and I can find inner craziness, okay? It's a matter of kind of like a wooly dance per se, okay? So having said that, sometimes I say things and people are taken aback. They're like, okay, I don't know if, uh, how to take that. He's very forthcoming. I love his knowledge. I love his teachings. But now he said something I don't like. So it doesn't fit into my comfort zones. I'm not saying that I'm going to fit in your comfort zones all the time. What I am saying is give me a chance, listen to what I'm saying and think about it and see after a little thought where you come without making your mind close off to it because it's not something ideally what you would have wanted to hear. Sometimes different kinds of truths are, are not exactly, uh, you know, we're not, we're not thrilled with, you know? So having said that, when I talk about crystallization, to me, this is when a person stops moving through their process of awakening. So for instance, if you were to look at a child from birth, you will see an evolution of intelligence growing, wisdom, knowledge, life experiences, and you can mark 
kind of their progression, whether it be yearly, and then as they get older, you see the progressions a little further and further apart. They're not happening as quickly or as, as rapidly. It doesn't mean it's not happening, but to really take notice of it, you start to see it only through greater girths of time. So by the time they're in the teens and then their 20s and head into their 30s, it seems like, you know, at 30, it kind of bounces off a bit. And then by the time you're 35 or 40, you start to see more leaps in that personality and so and so forth. Crystallizing is the same thing, but it's through your spiritualness, your spiritual consciousness, your growth in a sense, what you can do spiritually, what you understand, what you can approach the understanding of God, the universe, time, space, reality. So when one, you know, you could say there's general rules of thumb and it doesn't mean that it's so or it's the case for everybody, okay? But the average is, is about 30 years old most people, if they haven't been very flexible with their energy as we're discussing or reflecting on their spirituality enough, they crystallize. And what we found is in the human brain that there are literally like crystals and they, they're building and they, they, you know, it doesn't mean in my, well, to me, it doesn't mean that that is necessarily a matter of fact relationship between the two, but it's a great way to kind of give people a, a sense of understanding in a, in a, a way that they can visualize better. And so essentially the crystallization gets to the point where you really can't start thinking differently anymore. Your thinking remains the same. A perfect example would be there's a certain somebody one time that I knew and they were older than me and they inquired in a conversation. We're out in a big parking lot, just kind of getting ready to go in a storm. We got talking pretty deep. And they were like, I really want to know what your thoughts are on, on God are. And so I was just like, all right, you know, they're, they have a Catholic view. It's not necessarily Christian, a little bit more open-minded in that sense. So I just lit it, I, I rolled it out for about maybe an hour. I mean, totally was awesome, okay? And they sat there and they, they were like in tears, blown away. They said they could never see the idea of God the same way, that what I had to say made absolute sense of why things were the way in the world and they were, and that he that they could now reconnect their love for God with that understanding and how beautiful it was and the universe and everything. And literally in about 24 hours, it's as if everything that they had experienced said and everything, and they totally understood it, it's like it evaporated from their memory. And when I got to talking to them, they were right back to his broken record to their philosophical spiritual belief in a Catholic way. It was exactly the same. And when I would inquire, well, what about this and that? They'd be like, well, you know, yeah, I, you know, I kind of thought about this or that, but you know, I'm just, this is what I think, you know, and they wouldn't even deny. It's like, it's like they couldn't even remember it completely or what that connection was. Whereas you can have this conversation with somebody who's about 27, 28, and they retain it and it becomes, if it makes logic to them, of their understanding of things. So this is probably true for almost everything across the board from Hinduism to Buddhism to everything, okay? So this crystallation point is a very real thing. It happens, give or take, by my experience around 30. It can get, if you stay fluidic, if you stay within a circle of expanding consciousness as you're working with your energy, you're doing these things, well, the idea then is you can keep going further into 40s and 50s, but it can get harder as you're growing older, okay? It's like yoga. If you don't stretch your tendons and your muscles as you age, you, you don't give it much thought when you're younger because your body's producing everything you need, okay? So as you grow older, it's producing less of it, 
but to maintain it, you need to stretch, you need to work, you need to put some effort into it. And as you grow older, more effort, but you can keep it. It's very, very similar to that. And the idea is, is that you do not want to crystallize because if you crystallize before reaching a, a very high level, if you reach a high level, you don't even have to worry about crystallizing. But you can't crystallize believing egotistically that you've attained it and you still crystallize. So it can be a little tricky. So in essence, you're trying to attain what is known as God consciousness, self-realization, if you will, enlightenment to a degree. So you constantly want to be feeding your soul your whole life. You constantly want to stay fluidic, meaning that yoga movement of your energy body, not just your organic body. And in so doing, that is the, the greatest level of understanding and appreciating and experiencing God. If you look at nature and you look at trees and you, you look at these things, as things get bigger, they get larger, they get harder. But I often say when the hurricane comes, can it still bend as a wreath in the wind? Or will it lose its ability to have that flex, that life in it still, okay? And this is true cosmic winds through, through spirituality. I hope that makes a little bit more sense. Now, do energy movements, as you've talked about today, help people become more aware or sensitive to frequencies, tonal, or just help in general if they want to have experiences? All the above. It's like saying if you walk, does it help you think better? The answer is yes. It's moving blood. It's moving oxygen. It's it's good for all your organs. Is walking going to help you with digestion? The answer is yes. Is walking going to help you with working out problems and stuff psychologically? The answer is yes. Okay. So I think the beauty about the universe is any one thing actually never does just one thing. It does many things. So the idea with everything that I teach is that I want you to get from A to Z as quickly and as profoundly as possible. Life is short. So in order to serve the universe, to serve God, my belief is I've got to train you as best I can in the most reasonable amount of time possible in order for you to do whatever it is the universe wants from you. Okay. That's a whole laundry list in mm -hmm. itself. Okay. Having said that, Moving your energy begets consciousness, spirituality, dimensional sensory, psychic sensory, spiritualism. They're all interconnected. You, in order to do one, you need the other. It all starts off from having a basic understanding of energy that all of a sudden you start to have then revelations or you see energy beings or you see phenomena. This, it goes back to the proverbial thing where somebody would say to me, why do you teach people how to do psychic stuff? You know, what's psychic stuff got to do with spiritual stuff? And, and I'm like, well, clearly you have not evolved yourself and they don't want to hear that. And then I sound like I'm cocky and arrogant, okay? The point is this, all spiritual masters all performed miracles, aka miracles is literally psychic phenomena. Whether it's moving an object or doing a miracle, you can find any classification for a psychic phenomena. It just got bold into the word psychic, okay? So you're told don't do anything psychically and I say hogwash. They're preventing you from expanding your consciousness. Most people who meditate and do spiritual things will say to me after 20 years of sitting there meditating, I have never experienced one single thing from the meditation I'm doing and that goes across the board, okay? And I'm shocked. And then I will say, well, change this, do this. And they come back and they'll say to me, oh my God, 
This is so amazing, so enlightening, so empowering, so spiritually like enthralling. I was, I was like feeling really despair from my meditation. I was just doing it because I got such a habit of doing it, but I wasn't growing. I wasn't expanding my consciousness. Psychic abilities, forget the word psychic, it trashed out from the 80s, a horrible word, I hate it, okay? But there is a sensory in your mind that we lost through evolution. That sensory is the sensory given to you along with the other five, which really are hundreds if you think about it, okay? But the sixth sense is the sensory you need to define, to locate, to merge with God, the universe, dimensions, time, space. All of these things are completely as elusive to us as having infrared vision, okay? It's elusive to us, it's something that's there but we need the mechanisms by which to experience it. Everything you know in life came from your five senses or one or the other or a couple of them. Everything that you think of yourself as your memories, your thoughts, your experiences, bad, good, and indifferent came from your five senses that recorded it into electricity, energy in the brain, the biochemicals. If the sixth sense is not contributing to that information, how are you a whole person? How is you as a white cell spiritually going to complete yourself if you don't have the means to do the job. To me, the sixth sense is the most important sense, even above all the five. A lot of people ask us, where's the best place to start with our courses and material? The fundamental backbone of everything in our catalog is the foundation meditation system. This is a unique meditation technique geared to the purpose of absorbing prana stimulating key regions of the body that enhance sensory development and allow one to tap into a source of unbridled spiritual energy. Foundation meditation can be learned in our book, Meditation Within Eternity, or you can visit our website, foundationmeditation.com, to acquire the audio course. Again, that's foundationmeditation.com. Each of Eric's books comes with a secure readers-only section online that contains a treasure trove of complimentary free training material. When you add up all the free training you get with each book, you have a combined total value of over $1,000 in additional content. This includes classes, guided meditation exercises, and more. Digital and physical copies are available at higherbalancebooks.com. Order the set on discount now, and we'll also send you a free guru deck in the mail for physical orders. Again, that's higherbalancebooks.com. Go there now, order your set, and join the growing movement of spiritual adepts. Follow us on Instagram at higherbalanceinstitute, all one word. If you like this podcast, please subscribe on iTunes and leave a positive review so you can help others like yourself find this knowledge. If you'd like to support this podcast, please visit our online store at higherbalance.com. When I was young, I recall sitting in the back seat the family car as we drove somewheres, probably just to get away. I remember seeing the rivets of the back seat, the leather contour, the 
fabric and texture of the floor mat. I was small. I remember looking upward through the window, seeing the reflection of the glass of myself, a metal lining along the glass trim. I could only see the trees and the sky moving by. I thought I could touch it, so I did, reaching my hand out the window to touch it. I felt it. I felt the air pushing and moving beneath my hand and the warmth of the sun upon its back. I think it was at that moment I began to awaken, knowing that sometimes when you want to find something, you don't always find it in the way that you think you're going to. You see, my hand, it moved against the wind, pushing, weaving, feeling it, touching it, and the sun warming, soothing, healing. Somewhere in between, I flew. Higher balance, we think outside of the box, a new kind of spirituality, a new kind of meditation, a revolution in consciousness. Thank you for listening to Rebel Guru Radio.